Today, we will be looking at our continuation in our study of Exodus, and we're going to start in chapter 18. Now, some preachers, some pastors, some ministers will pick what their topics are going to be on so that there might be certain people in the congregation that they want to talk to. And rather doing that in their office, they take the opportunity of the pulpit to say what they want to say, and because of that, you have no opportunity to respond. Today's message is directed and has, if you will, two practical applications in our lives. So let me say the, the, what the first one's going to be about is in-laws. Now, I, I have both in the presence of our congregation, my daughter-in-law and my son-in-law. Take a deep breath. I'm not talking about you. You can ignore the first part of the message, but I hope you pick up the second part. The first part will be about in-laws and about treating people uh, in certain authority. And the other will be about receiving advice and giving advice. And so we all, if we're married, have them. I had the opportunity to have in-laws and outlaws. Some of you felt like you had outlaws, but they really weren't. Some of you thought that the end was nothing to do with the law. But um, even if I told my children, you know, the best way to avoid the in-laws is to marry orphans, since they didn't listen to me and then messaging about them. But the deal is even, even so, even if your mother-in-law or father-in-law is not presently alive, they still impacted your spouse. And so sometimes it's a good idea to kind of find out about the in-law so that you have a better understanding of why your spouse does what your spouse does when your spouse does it. So anyway, what we have here in Exodus 18 is now Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had fought is brought Israel out of Egypt. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Moses' wife Zipporah after he had sent her away and her two sons, of whom one was named Gershom. For Moses said, I have been a soldier in a foreign land. The other was named Eleazar. For he said, the God of my father was my help and deliver me from the sword of Pharaoh. And so we're set up that Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, is bringing and coming to Moses, bringing both Moses' wife and his two sons. We know that Moses, when we last saw many chapters ago, that Moses had started out on his journey to Egypt, only to be stopped by the angel of the Lord because his children were not circumcised. And Zipporah quickly circumcised them and threw the foreskin at Moses and was not happy. We don't know when Zipporah 
left Moses. It could have been at this point. It could have been sometime during the plagues. It could have been whenever. The scriptures never tell us. It just says they're being reunited now. But notice that Jethro, the priest of God, who's in Midian, has heard what God has done. The word has spread what God has done. And so when God said, I'm going to do these things so that Egypt will know that I am God and that Israel will know that I am God and the other nations will know that I am God, that God has had an impact on what he's done. Even in Midian, the word has gotten out what Moses and what God had did. So verse 5, this says, Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was camped at the Mount of God. And he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. So he sends out a, a messenger who says, I'm on my way, I'm, bring, I'm coming to see you, and I'm bringing with you your wife and your two sons. Then, verse 7, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and he bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into this tent. Now, I want to stop there. Notice what Moses did. Most of us, when it comes to our in-laws, say, oh, Lord, they're coming to, to my house. I got to clean the house. I got to be a nice host, and I hope they don't stay too long. Moses goes out ahead of time, meets his father, kisses him, and, and checks on his welfare. It's not just about Moses. And I want you to understand who Moses is. Moses is the person who was raised as a son of Pharaoh. Moses is the guy who speaks one-on-one -on -one with God. Moses is the guy who's leading God's people from Egypt to the promised land. Moses is an important person. As a matter of fact, even the Jews today reverence Moses as the lawgiver, as the person who led God's people. So if anybody had a right to say, well, kiss my ring, you ought to be grateful I'm in your presence, it would be Moses. But Moses goes down and bows down and is there with his father-in-law, acknowledging that even though he's the man of God, even though he has the background and is doing all these important things that he's doing, still Jethro deserves love, respect, and adoration because of his position as his father-in-law. So Moses not only checks out his welfare and talks about what's been happening, he brings him into his tent, into his home. He doesn't say, okay, well, we'll just sit outside by the fire and have a nice conversation. No, he welcomes him in. He, he encourages the relationship. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and the hardship that had been fallen them on the journey and how the Lord had delivered them. Now I can just kind of imagine this conversation. Moses is sitting here talking about, oh, let me tell you what God did. You know, when I went, I turned the Nile into blood. Well, God turned the Nile into blood. I just struck it. And this happened and that happened and it was dark and all these 10 plagues and, and God was awesome. And then he let the people out. And you know, we got 
to the, the Red Sea, and we weren't sure what to do, and God said, just go forward, and, and God parted the Red Sea. I could just see Moses excited as he's telling what God has done for him and his people. And I could just see Jethro going, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Preach on. Praise the Lord. He's awesome. And just having this awesome time of fellowship, talking about what God has done. Notice in their conversation, in their family conversation, they're talking about what God has done. Instead of what we do oftentimes in our family conversations, talk about what some other relative who isn't with us has done and how terrible that person is and, and whatever. And instead of having hamburgers or roast, we have roast so-and-so for dinner because we're all talking about what they had done or didn't do rather than what God has done. So next family meal, just a thought. Just go around the table and talk about, instead of talking about the people that aren't there, talk about what God has done in your life. You might not bother mind coming back again. And Jethro rejoiced over all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I want you to notice something that Jethro is happy and rejoicing at the good news. Here's a little freebie. The love of God is not finite. The blessings of God is not finite. The power of God is not finite. So if God blesses somebody, if God delivers somebody, if God shows his love to somebody, doesn't mean he's not going to show it to you. But so often we are so jealous that so-and-so is blessed by God. But just because God blessed that person doesn't mean that he won't bless you. His blessings are not finite. They're infinite. So rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Because that's what relationship is all about. And just as Jethro heard all what God had done. Jethro rejoices. So Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and the hand of Pharaoh, and who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dealt proudly against the people. Now there are a couple of ways to read this. Almost everybody that I have read who talked about this talked about, in essence, that Jethro, even though he's a priest of God in Midian, that there's all kinds of other gods and there's all this polytheism, and that this causes Jethro to come to a conclusion that the God that he's supposedly the priest of is more powerful than everybody else. And you can see that by, if you read the now as a, oh, I've learned something right now. I tend to think Notice, I tend to think, it's not scriptural, but I think this is the more accurate view. It's since God is greater than all the other gods, He just proved it. It's not that now I've learned something, now God has confirmed that He is greater than all these supposed gods. So I don't view Jethro as a I kind of serve a weak God and he just kind of 
proved it to me. No, no. God is greater than all the other gods. And he just showed in his deliverance of his people. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. Notice how the writer, who is Moses, keeps mentioning that it's his father-in-law. Because he wants you to understand it's his father-in-law. Took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. Notice, he's not an Israelite. He's not a Levite yet. He's none of those things. He's a priest of Midian of God. So he is going to participate in worship with the people of God. And he's, a matter of fact, even going to lead it because he's taking the sacrifices and he's doing so. So he took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses, his father-in-law, before God. So Jethro, even though, if you will, he's the guest here, has decided to lead worship. And everybody comes. And it's just not one of those, well, we just had a nice meal. They worshiped before God. It wasn't just an act of, of mealtime. It's an act of worship. And it came about, verse 13, on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. Okay, that's the father-in-law bit. So now you can kind of tune in now for those of you who are my kids. Uh, it came about on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood about Moses from the morning until the evening. Now when Moses' his father-in-law saw that all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge and all the people stand about you and from morning until the evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me and I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God and his law. So Jethro says, well, I don't understand what's going on. Why is it you're doing this? So Moses tries to explain, well, I'm the person who's an intermediator between the people and God. And so when they have these disputes, they come to me to figure them out. Verse 17. Moses' father-in-law, notice the trend. Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you're doing is not good, for you will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. So Jethro, the father-in-law, makes an observation. Moses can't keep doing what he's doing because he'll wear out. Now, I remember hearing a, an evangelist or a preacher many years ago who said that he would rather wear out than rust out. My answer is, but you're still out. If you wear out, you're out. If you rust out, you're out. And since I've never seen retirement as a plan of God for those who are ministering the reconciliation of God, then don't rust out and don't wear out. All right, just a bit of advice. So he's saying you're going to wear out. Now listen to me and I will give you counsel and God be with you. Notice what he's saying. I'm going to give you some advice. 
It's my advice. But God is with you. Make sure it clears His approval. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Okay, you've told me what the deal is. You say that you need to go to God to find out things. Great, keep doing that, because God has appointed you to do that. So I'm not telling you in my advice to pick a bunch of people who will also be God's representatives, because that's not God's plan. Oftentimes, when people give advice, what they want to do is become in charge themselves. Jethro is not asking for a job. He's trying to make sure that Moses is able to do what God has called Moses to do for as long as God calls Moses to do. So so you keep doing the most important thing. It's similar to, if you will, when the church literally blew up in the size and there were thousands of members and the physical needs were mean, needed to be met, and the apostles didn't want to be distracted by ministry. So they set deacons to take care of the personal, physical needs so that they could continue doing the spiritual needs. Same thing with Jethro. Jethro's advice is, Moses, keep doing the most important thing. Go to God and be the people's representatives. Then teach them the statutes and the laws, and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. So Moses, keep talking to God, keep finding out what it is God's will, what God's instructions, what God's commandments, what God's statutes are. Continue doing that, and then teach the people what God has told you. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. So in essence, he's setting up, if you will, a court system of the important people, the less important people, the lesser, and, and down and down and down. And let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute that they will bring to you but every minor dispute, they themselves will judge. So again, it's kind of like, hey, we're going to set up a small claims court. Those are the minor things. And kind of as we used to have a municipal court, those will handle certain things. And a superior court, these will handle other things. And an appellate court, these will handle the other things. And then the Supreme Court, if you will, is you, Moses. When, when it's such a major dispute or it's a thing that no one's quite sure what to do because no one is taught by God, that's when you get involved. But make sure that the men who are involved are ones who fear God. They're not interested in sort of gain so that they can't be bribed to make the wrong decision. If you do this thing, and God so commands, notice the difference between Jethro's offering of advice and most other people. Most people say, this is what you ought to do. And if you don't do it, well, you ignored my advice. Jethro's saying, I really think this is good advice. I really think you ought to take it, except if God so commands. 
Just because I think it's a good idea doesn't make it a good idea unless God says it's a good idea. Then you will be able to endure. And all these people also will go to their place in peace. So Jethro is saying, you've got two problems. You're going to wear out if you keep doing this the way you are. And the other problem is because the people have to wait for you, they're going to get irritated. There is a courthouse, I believe, in Virginia that says, justice delayed is justice denied. And Jethro's statement here is, if everybody has to wait for you to decide, it's going to take so long to make those decisions that justice will be denied because it's so delayed. So the people won't be upset because their disputes will be resolved. Because you know, the longer a dispute festers, the more bitter it becomes. So they'll go to their place in peace. You'll have time to do other things. The people won't be so irritated. I consider it, Jethro says, in essence, good advice. So Moses listened to his father-in-law, and I want you to notice this, and did all that he had said. Now, what was it that all that he had said? Now, most of us say, oh, he said to do all, break down the decision-making into you know, hundreds and fifties and tens and, and whatever. That's not all that he said. He said, if it's okay with God, if God commands it. So the first thing Moses had to do is not in, 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 initiate what Jethro had said, but check with God to see if that was good advice. Just because it's good advice doesn't make it godly advice. So let me give you a little statement when you tell me things. Because I'll have people who will say, well, God wants me to do X. Now, I may totally disagree with that, and I, don't, and I think they just ate pepperoni pizza and are not talking to God. But far be it from me to, to dissuade you if that's what God said. So if you tell me, well, God wants me to do X, I'm not going to argue with you. Unless, here's my one exception. God said I can do X, and I can point to a scripture where thou shalt not do X. So I'll do a really extreme example. Somebody says, God wants me to kill my father-in-law because he just irritates me. I'm going to say, and, and he says, God wants me to do it. I will say, you just are crazy because God is not going to do so. Because pretty soon we're going to get to a little provision that says, thou shall not murder. It's pretty clear. It's a pretty short command. It violates God's command. So God can't told you that if God has already said this. Now, where usually it comes up is people will say, well, God wants me to go to a different church. You just stop me from trying to get you to stay here, even though I think you ought to be here for a number of reasons, because I am not going to argue with God. Or I'm not going to argue with a person that you think is God, which may be you, because it's just what you want to do. But that's exactly what Moses does. He says, great advice, but I'm going to take it to God. So he does all that Jethro has suggested. He takes it to God. God says it's okay, so he sets it up. So Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the peoples, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. 
And they judge the people. At all times. The difficult disputes they would bring to Moses. But every minor dispute they themselves would judge. So not only does Moses heed the advice. He does it. A lot of times we will hear good advice. And we won't take it to God. We'll just do it. Or sometimes we'll get good advice. We may even take it to God, and we don't do it. We just continue on doing the same old, the same old way, the same old time, the same old reasons. So here in the middle of this travels from slavery to the promised land, we find some practical advice. You are not Moses. And if you are not Moses, then you're not too important to treat everyone else in your family with love, respect, and dignity. Even Moses listened to good advice, got the counsel not only of his father-in-law, but of God to make sure that it was okay, and then instituted what God had authorized. So the next time we get advice, make sure it's good advice. Then check it with God. And if it clears His permission, do it. And if He doesn't, don't. And notice in Jethro's advice, he doesn't say, well, if you don't follow it, I'm going to get mad and leave. He says, this is good advice. Check it with God. Then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell, and he sent, and he went his way to his own land. Verse 27 may not necessarily follow immediately after verse 26. It may not be, oh, he did the advice and then he checked out. It may be that they traveled a little wise longer and then he left. But this episode, this narrative has come to a conclusion. So to bookend it, we're told Jethro leaves. The reason we're told Jethro leaves is because Jethro, Jethro leaves. And he's not going to be part of the people who are going to go to the promised land. After all, because he's a priest of Midian, not a priest of the people of God. In that sense, he's a priest of Midian. So, today, I suspect there is something that's bothering you. There is some activity that you have to do which is getting you very tired. Maybe you should get some advice. Maybe you should get go to God and say, I can't trust the people around me, so could you tell me what I should do?
and then do what is almost impossible for you and me to do. Let God deal with it. You see, Moses could have said, okay, it's great advice. I'm even going to institute it. So here are the thousands, judge, and here's the hundreds, judge, and here's the fifties, judge, and here's the tens, judge. And then he could have spent all of his time checking out to make sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, which would have ended up spending as much time doing than it was doing it himself. He then, we will see, started doing what he was supposed to be doing, going to God to find out what God's words were so that he could give them to the people. So in your life, may the main thing continue to be the main thing for the main reason. And then let all the other stuff... And, and you can get this in time management. You can, there are the urgent matters and the important matters, and you can, you know... Good advice. And, and I... And I the great example of an urgent that's not important, the telephone. When the telephone rings, you just got to answer it. Or somebody texts you, you just got to see what it says. You're, you're almost compelled. It's almost like drugs. You, you, you got to answer the phone because it's urgent. And you pick up the phone to answer it. And it's some, some idiot salesman who wants to sell you something you don't need and can't afford. And you wonder, why did I answer the phone? Because you thought it was urgent, but it was unimportant. So just because in advice things may seem urgent, they may not be important. So let your life with God be the main thing, the urgent thing, and let everything else fall in its place. Because God is enough. His grace is enough. And He will give you the strength and the power to do what He has called you to do. And when you get into that point where you may be wearing out, God will send advice to assist you. And God, all God's people said,